As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. All right, everybody. That's right. It's me. It's Haley Salvian. It's Sean Gentilly. Friday's back. We're here. Don't mm-hmm. send emails to our bosses asking where we are. No, don't do that. We're here. <laughs> Whoever sent that one last week, have no fear. We're back. We're not on hiatus. We were both just doing... <laughs> we have day jobs. Yeah. We're supposed to write about stuff. And we yeah. were both... Apologies, everybody. We were both neck deep in some pretty involved stories last Thursday. Yeah. And I, I don't think either of us uh, physically had the, had the time to devote the hours and hours and hours. It, it takes, takes to doing it takes, show. It takes us. It takes us to record this. So sorry, everybody. You have no idea how much goes behind the one hour of podcasting, and most of that is my fault. This is like shooting a Judd Apatow movie, where it's like they have. <laughs> There's like three hours, seven of hours worth of of content that goes into a three hour movie that's too long by an hour. That's basically it. Yeah. Um. 
my personal, I, I think it would be great. <laughs> you know how some shows will take like a sound bite from the pre-show and that's the intro because it's funny? Sure. Danielle should start doing that. <clears throat> Most of the time it's just Sean telling me to like, I do have Shut a question. Up and start I, do, I do have a I do have a question show. though. I do, I do have a question though. If I talk for like another forty five seconds or so, are you going to kick me out and bring Elliot Friedman on to take my place? Yeah, I didn't really want to talk about that. I'm still a little bit. I'm still recovering. So, if you're a listener of my show on Sports at nine sixty, and there's probably like two people who listen to that show, and neither of them are my parents. I had. Yeah, I don't listen to your your shit. I had uh, Elliot Friedman book for the show today, and we're in a commercial break, and he wasn't answering the phone, and I'm in like panic mode. I text Sean because I'm not talking for 25 minutes by myself. I could talk for 20 minutes on this podcast and not let you get a word in, but if you suggest to me, uh, yeah, I know, I know, you, I know you can. You. But if you suggest to me that I have to go on my own radio show and do that, I'm like, I simply cannot. And so I got Sean to pinch hit for Elliot. And I asked Sean one question. And then my producers were like, actually, Elliot's on the phone. You need to hang up on Sean. And yeah. uh, yep, uh, I felt a little embarrassed. Uh, Sean thought it was everything was very funny. My producers in the group chat were like, you should send Sean a box of chocolates or something to apologize for the inconvenience. I thought it was funny. I can recognize that it was like good radio, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't personally a little wounded by it. I mean, I get it. Everyone. Yeah, you're conveniently just hurt about it now that we're recording and talking about it. You said it was fine. Here's here's a question. Honest, honest question. We, we should try to ballpark this like and put an actual number on it. What percentage of people when they realized that I was getting tagged out for Elliot were like, oh my God, this is perfect. And was it a hundred percent? Somebody it's on the text days, line. It's nine days before whatever, eight days before the trade deadline. Like no people, yeah. people care about what I have to say even less than they do under normal <laughs> circumstances. And people care more about what Elliot has to say, even more than they do under normal circumstances. I know. So I think the that's end why of- we were trying to get Elliot on because I don't have a show tomorrow. I don't have a show on deadline day. So it was like, let's get Elliot Friedman on. The end result <laughs> is that it was like a one hundred percent satisfaction rate when my ass got kicked to the curb in favor of him. So okay. it's good. However, it doesn't that doesn't mean I'm happy about it. Um, doesn't mean so, my feelings aren't hurt. Well. I had the text line open for some reason. And somebody said, can we get someone to pinch hit for Haley permanently? (laughs) (laughs) Pinch it for hell. I'm only listening for Elliot and then I'm going back to listening to. (laughs) Hey, welcome. And then I'm turning the radio off. I was like, okay. (laughs) Welcome, Welcome to the club. Both of us. People would rather hear Elliot speak than both of us. We can say that uh, with a degree Except of certitude. for our Friday show fans and listeners. Ooh, I don't know about that. All right. We love you so much. Um, another housekeeping note, as we apologize for not having a show last week, we don't have a show next week. That one is not our fault. That That's is... Ian Mendez's fault. <laughs> I just want everyone to know it's Ian, I-A-N, Mendez. I can't spell it for you. <laughs> just kidding. 
Sure you can. But it's Ian Bendis. If you're pissed off, get yell at Ian, not us. He's doing the deadline wrap up show. I believe you are involved with that. And I think I am again. Am I? Like, I think so. And I am. Did like I volunteer ba- for that? I think you may have been volunteered for it. And I am once you again. said you were going to co host. Okay. So I forgot about that. So Sean won't be around on Friday, but I, I will be. <laughs> Unless I'll be around. If I, am on, wants to chat. I am on alert in case in case my services are, are required, which is apparently the role that I fill now. I just wait around to see if uh, see if anybody calls me and asks me to pinch hit for people who are uh, better like me. That's fine. You know what, Sean? You're a good teammate. Thanks. And a good friend. Yeah. You know who's a good teammate? Who? Dimitri Orlov. Yeah. <laughs> Garnet Hathaway. They're both, uh, this is from our pal. Actually, it's not according to Tarek. It's according to the Washington Capitals. Mm -hmm. They're both being held out from tonight's game against the Anaheim Ducks for trade-related reasons. So this is interesting because I think the Capitals in this last week, as the wild card race is kind of heated up right now, there's seven teams within nine points of each other. If we include the Ottawa Senators, I don't think I'm a believer. I think they'll maybe play some competitive games down the stretch, but I don't know if I realistically look at the Senators as a team that could get into the wild card. But if we include them at seven teams, then nine points of each other, two playoff spots. Mm-hmm. I think the Washington Capitals with 11 unrestricted free agents are a team with a ton of uncertainty. And this signals potentially what they're going to be doing at the deadline, right? They're holding guys out Mm -hmm. for trade-related reasons. Are the Capitals going to become sellers? And is that the path they should be taking? We've gone back and forth on this a lot this season. We have waffled on the Caps being good, they're bad, they're missing the playoffs. Oh my God, they're back in the race. And now it looks like they might end up selling some guys off. Yeah, because they gave us our answer. They've had five straight zero-point losses. Four of them came against Eastern Conference teams, and two of them came against teams behind them in the standings, including the Red Wings, who are on a tear, which like mm-hmm. may or may not come, come up here in a second. They, the, the Capitals, since February 6th, which, which was the first set of games after the All-Star break, which is 17 days, at that point, they had a 50% likelihood to make the playoffs according to Dom's model, which is the athletics, you know, playoff projection odds and percentages. 54%. Mm-hmm. Standings-wise, they were second in points percentage and first in points when it comes to the Eastern Conference wild card. 17 days later, their, their percent odd, this is yesterday, but it doesn't matter because they haven't played, down to 19, their sixth in points percentage among all these among all these teams, among the seven quote-unquote contenders that we have for the two Eastern Conference wild, wild card spots, six in points percentage, and they're mm-hmm. tied for fourth in points. That's what happens when you go five games without recording a single point. So we've been wondering on our show elsewhere, on our various other shows, in, our, in, in, in writing wherever, what the deal is with the Caps, right? It looked like they were cooked in November. They bounced back in December. Charlie Lindgren bails them out. They end up, you know, in the in the top wild card spot for a little bit. Okay, Ele- elevators going up, but now we have our answer. They've provided it for us with the way they played over the last however long, and there's no clearer way to imagine them 
waving the white flag than particularly Orlov because they need him desperately. Mm-hmm. He's an important player for them. Anne Hathaway, who is a <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> and duh, Hathaway. Good one. <laughs> who's absolutely a player that playoff teams are, are going to link. And even if they, you know, those are two guys. They have nine other pending UFAs. What they need to do is recognize, and it certainly seems like that that's what they've done, is recognize that it ain't happening this year. And it sucks because nobody wants to waste a year of Alex Ovechkin's prime, what's left of it, or his, his late prime, or whatever. however you, yeah. want, you, you want to characterize this. Nobody wants to waste that, but you also need to realize when the fight's basically over for you, right? Mm-hmm. So reload, add assets, dra- even if it's just draft picks, you know, move on from guys that aren't going to be a part of the solution next season and just recognize that this is that it's time to regroup. This doesn't mean that they have to move on or do anything, but it was it was all for all intents and purposes over for them this year, and it happened quick. Mm-hmm. Hathaway is an interesting one because he kind of fits the mold of the guy that gets dealt at the deadline, right? He's big, he's six foot three, he's a right winger, natural right shot. He's only what one point two million dollar cap hit. He's not. That's useful depth. Garnet Hathaway for a fourth round pick. Seems like it's something that's going to be happening here. We're going to see that in the next couple days, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bring some size, competitiveness. Was he on one of those cup teams or was he in Calgary still? That is a great question. I I don't think he was on their cup team back in uh, in 2018. I don't think that was. That's a. Something, something he's got in the books. I think, I think he signed after that. So yeah, he doesn't have that uh, Stanley Cup ring on the resume, but seems like a guy that uh, could be pretty useful for somebody. Um, we wanted to talk about your piece, the NHL playoff picture making sense of the Eastern Conference's wild card chaos. Just Turns stole, out, I just stole a bunch of it to, to talk about the Caps, right? Like, right. Um, turns out, Ian Mendez already talked about this ugh. yesterday. Ugh. That is your intellectual property. Uh, I actually don't think it is. I believe it is the intellectual property of the New York Times company. That's who we work for. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anyways, let's go into a couple more, though, okay. because yep. sure. we talk about the Penguins a lot. I don't think we need to do that again. Every <laughs> You and Rob went super meta into the Penguins and nothing's changed. They're still in a weird Not spot. Really. Like... They, their their likelihood third, of making- uh, here's, what, here's what I'll say about them. Their third line is worse than anybody anticipated. Jeff Carter looks like he's done. Brock McGinn hasn't scored since December 22nd. Mm-hmm. And Kasperi Kapanen uh, has scored twice in that same time frame. So you have two goals in two months yeah. from your everyday third line uh, wingers. It's not good. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. and it's it's a weird decision by Sullivan on yeah. some level, but also they don't really have any other options. So yeah, they're they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And this is what we talked about, I believe, with Rob a couple months or weeks ago. When we had him on. It's not the it's not the signing of Malkin and Latang or Brian Russ that's been the problem in Pittsburgh this year. It's the other guys. And sure, maybe those guys because you don't have enough money to like go out and do better other things with your depth is a, a product of signing. Um, Malkin and Latang and Rust, but those guys were there before. I think, like you know, Kapanen's been around for a while. They can't can't get rid of that guy. 
Anyways, I, I yeah, wanted to. Well, no, I but, wanted okay, to, but they could have. They could have though, and that's and that's where Hex. That's like Hexdoll's greatest failing. They could have cut mm-hmm. ties with with Kasperi Kapanen last year and just used it as like a sunk contest and or as a sunk a sunk cost, and said like, all right, instead of signing you for two more years and three point two million annually, which is what they did, just use that money allotted elsewhere, and that's it's not what happened. You know? Okay, it's, it's, so it, is, it isn't what they did. Not to cut you off for Elliot it's Friedman fine. again here, Sean. Uh, oh, but Jesus Christ. According to Elliot, Hearing Hathaway is going to Boston. Oh, for God. Are you serious? That, yeah. it, it, it's, and it's Elliot reporting <gasps> it. Unbeli- unbelievable. Ju- we just said something was going to happen. Let's see if it's a fourth round pick. <laughs> uh, he said Hearing Hathaway is going to Boston. We will see if more than him goes. <laughs> The I would say the implication there is that there will is that there will be more. I don't think he said that for uh, for no reason at all. So something to monitor yeah. while we keep doing this show here. Big yeah, footed, probably... big footed by Elliot again. Good lord! Not quite because we were you talked about Hathaway first today. <laughs> yeah, that was all you. Um, but before, well, we keep an eye on that before we potentially circle back. If we see anything else going down with Hathaway, um, wanted to go to the Florida Panthers. They are one of the teams that are in this race. They are about to get a huge boost in the lineup. Anthony Duclair, he has been out since the summer after suffering an Achilles injury. He's back expected to be back in the lineup, excuse me, on Friday. So he's still on LTIR. Um, but he did a media availability today. He says he's feeling 100%. He feels great. Um, it's been a long process for him, but he's feeling ready to play, and it looks like he's going to play for the Panthers on Friday night. So Florida, in this wild card race, they don't have a ton of cap space. They're flying very, very close to the sun, uh, but they're going to mm-hmm. get their deadline boost and getting a 30-goal score and Anthony Duclair back. And there was a time, Sean, where on this podcast, on the radio, on t- trade boards, people were kind of putting Duclair's name out there as like, could he be on the move because the Panthers have no money? Like, they can't even afford to get him off LTIR without right. making a move. Um, they have enough ca- cap space right now, according to Cap Friendly. Their projected cap space is $4 million. Duclair makes around three and a half if mm-hmm. memory serves, and they just waived Chris Tierney. He only makes seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, um, but he got picked that up. Got him. That got that by got Montreal. Him, you know? Yeah, and it, yeah. So, what what kind of boost do you think? Like, what is this going to do for the Panthers? Based on what you already laid out in the story, everything that seems to be going well right now for Florida. Add in Anthony Duclair, and and now things are going to get interesting for the Cats. Yeah, I was um, I was operating under the assumption, like really, for the last. Part of this is because Anthony Duclair has been working out with that team for so long, right? Like he's been he's been close for weeks. So you kind of internalize the idea that they're gonna have to trade somebody to get him under under the to, to fit him mm-hmm. in on the active roster, right? To 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 get under the limit so you can actually activate him. Because that because again, we're talking a month ago, six weeks ago, how however, however long ago this was, which we didn't account for. Was that they could just string this process out long enough, and it's a good bit of business by the Panthers to accrue that cap space ahead of the deadline, right? Or, or on on the on the rest of the year where they only had to make kind of a fungible move in, in moving out Chris Tierney. So that means they don't have to, you know, trade whatever Sam Reinhart or or, or any. They don't have to do anything or funky. Duclair. 
or Duke or him or or one or one of the Sams or or whoever whoever it might be. The Didn't Sams. have to do anything like that. Could keep their could keep the rest of their roster in in, in shape. And now you're adding, you know, a 30 goal capable player to a team that all of a sudden is looking a lot more like the one that we thought we were getting at the start of the at the start of the season. And Dom's model loves them. It's because they're a really good five on five team. They still Matthew are. Kuchuk. That's that's been that's been true. And they're only getting better, right, with this. And you know, the the power play has been a little bit better of late. Duclair can help there. You know, the forward group makes a lot more sense now because you because you're adding a really creative, really, really skilled, really smart hockey player who's who has, you know, a demonstrated uh track record of success with Alexander Barkov too, right? Like those guys, those guys have played together quite a bit. And Barkov's been the one, ironically. It hasn't quite been clicking like a hundred percent for them. So it's interesting. And the fact that they did it without having to subtract meaningfully from their from their uh previous, you know, roster is is huge. Matthew Kachuk is on pace to beat his career year from last year. I wonder if anybody saw that coming, honestly. Everybody was saying they're not gonna Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau are not gonna be 115, 104 point players ever again. Matthew Kachuk is on pace for 108 points this season in Florida. 39 he's, he's goal, great. 108 point pace. He's a great player, you know. Like I, it's it can't be it can't be said enough. You know, Dom overuses the unicorn line in relation to him, and it gets annoying. But it's also, you know, it's also true. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who you can, and he he also works with works with Sam Bennett, works with Carter Verhage. That that line makes they, sense. They're fun, right? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> makes you wonder what would have happened if the Flames actually gave Sam Bennett a chance to be a top six center. <laughs> who, who can say? Really? <laughs> who knows? But yeah, they're fun, and that's that's a good group of forwards that just got a lot better. Carter Verhage. I if if people, I, I know there's people listening here who don't pay a ton of attention to the Panthers. Carter Verhage is is a really really fun hockey player. He's a blast mm-hmm. to watch. And that's and that and that's a team when they're clicking and when Paul Maurice is not you know, not uh not not overthinking things. That's a that's a really fun hockey team. Okay, so did something else just happen? Your eyes or love and Hathaway to Boston. Oh shocker, shocker! I put this in. Oh, and by the way, we have Corey Massasak is joining yeah. the show. Oh my god! <laughs> and we pre-recorded about forty minutes with Corey about Timo Meyer. It was a great chat. Um, he wasn't in an airport this time, <laughs> but we had previously promised ourselves and Danielle that we would make this a quick 15 off the top, but things keep happening and I love to ramble. So very, very quickly uh, on the Boston Bruins. Yeah. I I wrote this in our season preview. Um, we we have the previews that from the preseason, then everybody goes back and does new predictions um, you and I, Shana and Jesse Granger. I mean, like, does anyone ever say Shana's last name? Everyone just says Shana. Shana Goldman. <laughs> Jesse, there's, everyone. There's only one. <laughs> I know. Um, we always kind of revisit them. And in the last one, I had said the Bruins are giving me like 2016, 17 Golden State Warriors vibes. Yeah. Like they might not set, like this was the year they didn't set the records, right? Like they might not set a record for the best season ever. 
Um, but they're going to wire to wire dominate and win a championship. Uh, mm -hmm. th and that's just, I, that is how I feel about the yeah. Bruins right now. They just filled, they filled a hole, you know, they, they could have used some bottom six help and they've been connected with every defenseman that's been on the market for any amount of time mm -hmm. over the last month. Well, it month. seemed like they were going, like, it seemed like Gavrikov was going to go there from Columbus. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen that kind of. Obviously, uh, we've, we've seen that wither and die on the vine because we know that Columbus's uh, reported asking price is psychotic. But but Hathaway, again, you know, helps 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 the fourth line. He's a playoff player. He's a guy that, you know, a playoff style player. He's a guy that GMs love for better or worse. And Orlov strengthens up. Uh, I mean, like, what do you do? You just drop drop him right on the third line and don't even don't even think twice about it. Right. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a he's a left shot. He can replace Derek Forbort. Like it just got a lot better. I'm really curious to see what the final trade looks like because the Bruins only have about one million in projected cap space uh, and deadline cap. So what are they going to do to fit Hathaway's one point five and or Love's five point one? Also, you said third line. <laughs> I believe you meant third pair, right? Third, I, th did I say third? Yeah, of course. Yes. I, yeah, I know. So he, I know what you meant, but yes, just for, uh, Orlov makes five point one million dollars. Um, so um, there's probably going to be some salary retention. I'm in not going to. I'm not going to guess at this because it's going to. Uh, by the time I'll just look like an idiot. Listen to this, like yeah. everyone's, everyone's, everyone's going to hear it. But I would assume that Mike Riley's going to be involved here in some capacity. Oh, yeah. Swap his as cap a, hit as a as a as a cap as a bit of cap maneuvering. I think there would be some that would. Uh, it would probably revolve around him, but anyways, Bruins, Bruins got yeah, better. Yeah, that would That's alleviate a, the one point eight seven five million dollar buried penalty. Yep. they have him buried in the minors right now. Yep. Interesting. Well, Bruins get better though. And Caps probably wave wave goodbye to to the playoffs the for this season, and then so we'll see what they oh, we'll see what the Washington Capitals in 2023-24 look like. Eleven yeah. unrestricted free agents. They're going to have some. Cap space, they're going to have a ton of of roster holes to fill, so they might look very yeah. different. They will so, look very different next season. They literally do not have a defenseman under contract for next season. How gray will Alex Ovechkin's hair be? I don't know how much gray it can get. He's going to be like, he's at the point now where he's going to start. He's going to start going white. He's going to look like Steve Martin, and and by <laughs> by the time his career's over, have you ever seen Steve Martin with? Not white hair. I've seen Steve Martin with gray hair, but he he's like <laughs> there's not I, there's I, he was gray as a as a thirty year old. So great stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been now. Let's go. I do. Do you? I mean, I can I can start talking about like his, his guest hosting jobs on SNL in 1975. If, if, if no, that's want. okay. Um, okay. Hey, we've got uh, a Haley, great... I have Elliot Friedman on the line for you. Uh, <laughs> Elliot, Friedman. <laughs> Elliot Friedman actually wants to talk about Zoom. Martin Short. <laughs> He's a big only big only murders guy. Yeah. Um. But let's uh, let's go to our chat with Corey Massasak. A uh, big conversation about Timo Meyer. He's the bell of the ball for a reason. What can Timo Meyer provide? Who might be interested? And uh, what are the Sharks potentially looking for in a Timo Meyer deal? Let's go to that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are psyched to be joined today by Corey Mazasak, who is the San Jose Sharks beat writer and the, most importantly, for our purposes, the Timo Meyer point person. Um... Corey, we were gonna, I think, get into this whenever we talked a few weeks back, uh, <laughs> but then you were called as like a late boarder for a flight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so and that's what to... set me into an anxiety spiral, mm-hmm. which led to the always popular black and white Mad World remix right. from Danielle. Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> so we had to we had to abort our plan to talk about Eric Carlson and Timo Meyer because you were in the Charlotte Airport or whatever, wherever wherever I think you it were was Chicago, whatever that was. Chicago it was Midway. Okay, great. You are back, and Timo Meyer is a bigger conversation topic than ever because we're what nine days out, eight days out from the eight uh, days. Eight days. Jeez, Jesus Christ, it's coming. But the trade deadline is here. Timo Meyer is still number one a top of the list player despite some maybe shuffling over the last couple of days um are you even gonna let if, him say hello before you ask a question uh, no i don't want i don't like no. welcome to the show Cheers. i got hey, Corey. Corey, oh, Corey, we're glad we're glad to have you god bless you i'm happy to see you how's that i'm satisfied okay there we Good. go <laughs> Corey. okay anything, now we have some has, questions has anything changed with this with the situation over the last three days it seems like there's been some movement there's teams that are getting thrown around it's you know we've heard more about the blues we've heard more about vegas but what's the movement on your end been like you know this week maybe starting with monday yeah i think it's probably picked up some that seems you know i, I you know there it was a lot of the same two or three teams for i felt like multiple weeks mm-hmm. and then you know the blues have made some moves and now they have some you know they've sort of freed up some space and then like even like even yesterday like the uh Vegas moving Shea Weber's contract mm-hmm. frees up some space for them. So now you can sort of see like other teams are like, Hey, well, you know, maybe we need to get involved in this. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty busy, pretty hectic, but um, it's certainly, I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Greer is not, uh, not <laughs> complaining about the fact that it seems like more and more teams want to trade for one of his, you know, one of his best players. I think everyone kind of had this collective moment at first in speaking yesterday about the the Vegas and Arizona deal, you see the tweet and it's, you know, sources are saying Arizona Coyotes have traded and everyone's like, oh, it's Chikrin. There's like the disappointment and the jokes about it not being the Jacob Chikrin deal. And then there's the collective realization of like, oh, wait, crap. Shea Weber's contract is involved in this. What the hell are the Vegas Golden Knights doing here? And then the putting two and two together of like, oh, no, they're opening up some cap space. For yeah. something, 
Oh dear. It is funny that they've like it feels like they've almost become like the league's boogeyman. Like they're just involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no way. Well, you, like the year starts and it's like, oh wait, they have 137 million dollars on their cap. Oh, don't <laughs> worry, they'll still figure something out by between yeah. now and March. Like that. Yeah. So it does seem they, like yeah, anytime they get involved, it's like, oh okay, now yeah. Now they always have money. So I think the way Sean and I were going to go through this, we want to talk about Meyer. We want to talk about the asking price. And then we're going to evaluate some of the potential trade partners that we've heard out there. So we'll circle back on Vegas. We'll talk about who I think should be the front runner in New Jersey Devils. St. Louis <laughs> That's all that matters, by up. the way. Who does, who does Haley think should be the front runner in this? That's, That's what's right. most important. Yeah. I My New Jersey Devils. <laughs> should acquire right. Demo Meyer. Um, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Carolina. So we can dig into that in a bit. But I think we want to start like a little bit zoomed out here and just look at Timo Meyer and why this guy has become the bell of the ball at the deadline. And and not because of like, you know, it's kind of a you know, oh, Jonathan Taves is off the board and guys are off the board. Like, Timo Meyer's kind of been the guy because of the player that he is. So, Corey, what can you tell us about Timo Meyer, the player, and why people want him so badly on their team? Yeah, I've, it's funny. I've done a couple of, of these, like, list stories where mm-hmm. you're looking, but looking back at trades from the last 15 years, and there are trade deadlines where it's like, the best player traded was like a number four defenseman. And it's like, oh my God. So, so I remember, thank you. I remember yeah, a couple yeah. of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like imagine if like uh, Vladislav Gavrikov is like the best player available right now. We wouldn't, this would not be as much fun. Um, uh, Timo Meyer is one of the best wings in the league. He's one of the best power forwards in the league. Um, and like, you know, more, more than just like he scores lots of goals. He, I mean, he's kind of a, a really good all around player. Um, you know, he's got like kind of a, a mean streak to him. He's, um, you know, he's just, I, I, I think he's like, he's like one of those guys that like the stats say he's really good. And then like the scouts also say that he's really good. And it just sort of like everybody just sort of lines up and says like, oh, this guy's going to be a playoff player. There's just, he just sort of, there's like a list of boxes, right? He and checks he, a lot of, he checks a lot of boxes, right? Like he's, yeah, he's yeah. got, he's got the stat profile and the, in the physical profile and the personality profile that it seems like. It seems like a lot of folks can agree on, right? Yeah, and he's just like really over the last two years. I mean, the Sharks have you know have not had a lot of success, but he is just there are so few nights where he's not you know just very clearly like you know one of their two best players. Like he just he's just a very consistent offensive force. Um, you know, he's good at he's good with the puck. He's good without the puck. He's good bringing it into the zone. He's good once he's in the zone. He just he just kind of does a little. He's just not like a. I don't know. He just he's just really good at a lot of different things. And I mean, obviously the most important one is that he's gonna score forty goals this year. I think he's a classic case too of a guy who showed up at the top of, you know, when you're sorting for stats, whether it's an evolving hockey or natural stat trick or whatever, for years, I mean three, four, five years now, he's been at the top of those leaderboards, right? But over the last it feels like what's happened over the last couple of years is the production has kind of caught up with the with the underlying numbers, not that the production was bad because he's he's been he's been good in in that regard, really going back for for five years now. But it seems like he's leveled up where the actual production is more in line with whether it's whether it's expected or or, or chance numbers or whatever you want to look at. The underlying stuff now matches uh, matches the the output, right? Yeah, he had I mean, he had thirty goals and sixty six points when he was twenty one or twenty two. Mm-hmm. That basically the last year the Sharks were good. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was his like his thirty and sixty year, and then he did mm-hmm. look. He had he had two years where the you know the number the for the traditional you know box score numbers just weren't the same. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just had a dip, and so like you know he had thirty five goals last year. He's on pace for forty four, forty five this year. Like it has sort of like a, you know he's not like a he's not like a supernatural finisher. Like you're not he wouldn't be on yeah. a list of like the best snipers in the league. But he's among the league leaders in shots on goal and uh, you know shot attempts, and he just he creates stuff on his own. Like I mean, that goal he scored the other night, um, I think that was against the Penguins, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is like he literally got the puck at his own blue line and just you know went coast to coast and and scored. Um, yeah, he just he just sort of is kind of the complete package. And I mean, you know, after looking back at the last fifteen deadlines a couple times over the past couple weeks, there haven't been a lot of guys like this available who are 26 years old and you can have, you know, like there, there have been guys like maybe like Patrick Kane that have been available. Mm -hmm. There have been 26 year old versions of this player (laughs) available at the deadline and then possibly for the next eight years, uh, a whole lot. Everyone hears about the five on five production. I think that's a focal point with Meyer, but he's also one of the best power play, uh, weapons in the league. He's second was second goals per 60. Talion Dreisaitl on the power play over the last two years. Like this is, yeah. I feel like a lot gets wrapped up and, you know, we love that he drives play at five on five and that he, and that he produces there. But, you know, with the, the power play the matters in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Say it, say it louder, actually. <laughs> say it louder. Don't whisper it. Yeah. And he's also, he's not like a guy that's like, um, you think of like Ovechkin or Stamkos or just certain guys who have like a spot on the power play where it's like, that's his, like, that's not really how it works with it. Like they're the sharks are pretty, I mean, their power play has been pretty effective just because they have guys that kind of, you know, you might look up and, you know, Eric Carlson is in the bumper and, uh, you know, Emo's on the left side. Now he's on the right side. So like, I, I think, um, he's just kind of, was one of those guys that you could put him in front of the net. You can put him on the wing. He's, he's pretty good wherever you put him on the power play. When do we think the last time we can collectively answer this question, Sean? You can oh my God. Too. When was the last time a guy like this was available at the deadline? Was it Mark Stone? Yeah, I think right. I mean, is that the best kind of comparable yeah. here? Was was what was Mark Stone? Was he like was he around that age? I don't remember. What, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's 2018, like, 19, but, and I think he had a similar contract structure as like a yeah Kachuk because they have the yeah, same. Yeah, he agent, was a right? I, he was a he was a pending RFA. Like he's a similar. Yeah, it's yeah. as close as it's as close as we're gonna get. I mean, I don't. Is that really? A, such a bizarre situation. I don't know if that was even truly a deadline a deadline deal, right? Like that was that happened earlier in the season, didn't it? I mean, the, yeah, good the point. The point is, like, yeah, this guy is from a player profile and, and an availability standpoint. Like, it just doesn't just doesn't happen all that often, right? Yeah, I mean, I, although you look at all the, I'm certainly spent enough time looking for comparable mm-hmm. trades, right? <laughs> like it's it's Stone, it's um, you know Alex DeBrincat at the draft mm-hmm. last year. Uh, you know, with the Kachuk thing, which was a kind of a unique situation. Um, Max Pacioretty, uh, when he got mm-hmm. traded to Vegas, um, what's one of the like maybe like Sam Reinhardt, uh, when he was traded from Buffalo to Florida was a pretty good one. But yeah, those are that's pretty much the neighborhood that that we're talking about. Stone was 26 years old and he had 28 goals and 62 points through 59 games this season. So it was like it was about a month before the deadline. It was a February mm-hmm. trade. So they're pretty comparable, and they had the the deal in the the drawer for him in Vegas too, right? So how much? Oh, how Vegas! Much, oh yeah. no! Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll get to them. How much? Uh, 
of a role does Tomas Hurdle and Eric Carlson play in his production? Like, do do we need to put any kind of asterisk with this? Because I think there, I think, and I'm not even saying that that this is untrue, but I think people look at this and say like, oh, the Sharks stink. When he ends up on a on a better team, he's going to be with better players. In some regard, that might be true, but he's also playing with a legit number one center and a defenseman who's putting up points at a rate that we haven't seen since, you know, Ray Bork or whatever. So is there any concern uh, with that in terms of like a, maybe any kind of drop-off uh, moving forward? And like how much is he actually driving the bus in terms of his own point production? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, like the biggest point in his favor is that like, you, like this year he's played pretty much in the entire season with Hurdle. But last year it was like um he kind of went back and forth between Hurdle mm-hmm. and Couture. It was like they they had he had like a and the thing was it was like he played 20 games with Couture and and Logan would have like a, a run. Like he'd be like, oh mm-hmm. look, look, look all the way. And then he'd play 20 games with Hurdle and he'd be like, oh now now Hurdle's having it. It's like it's it was like he was the common denominator. It was mm-hmm. like who was they had like they have two good centers and they have one really good wing, and whoever the wing was playing with was the good line that night. <laughs> um a lot of nights. Seems uh, like David Quinn has a ab- has abandoned the the Meyer Couture, uh, yeah, deal for the most only, part. They're only, not... only been a couple games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But he does he does play a lot with Eric, and um, yeah, I mean there there's no question that it looks like a different team whenever Carlson is on the ice versus when he's not. But I, I mean, I think Timo Meyer has a lot to do with that too. Great. His, his numbers away from Carlson are definitely better than most of the other guys on the team. Put that way. There you go. So Corey, what do you think the asking price? for Timo Meyer would be if you're Mike Greer, if you're the Sharks. And has that changed in recent weeks, given the amount of first rounders and trade packages that we've seen kind of flying around for guys like Bo Horvat and, and Ryan O'Reilly, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole, that's been the most interesting part of the process so far is like the Bo Horvat trade happens and you're like, Oh, like that's a pretty good trade package. It's not yeah, great. It wasn't like, overwhelming. Okay. Um, and then also like just, you know, who is a better player, Bo Horvat or Timo Meyer is a pretty interesting conversation. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty close. Like one's a center, one's a wing, but one's a better version of the wing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, so that was like, well, you know, if they get, if they got exactly that for Meyer, it's, you know, it would be good, but not great. And then the Ryan O'Reilly thing was like, well, that seemed like a lot for Ryan O'Reilly given <laughs> what the year that he's having, but also there was all the cap gymnastics involved. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing that is probably like the biggest thing in, in Mike Greer's favor is just, it seems like there are more and more teams. There's just, I don't know if there were necessarily going to be five or six teams that were going to be in the mix for Ryan O'Reilly or Bo Horvat, but it certainly seems like there's at least that many that could make a real, like a real push for Meyer. And in that case, then, you know, it seems like, I think, I think that's sort of the expectation has been there's going to be a first round pick. There's going to be a high end prospect. And I know like Pierre Lebrun has reported that, that they want at least three things. So I think how good the first prospect is and how good, if the pick is definitely a first is going to determine how, you know, maybe the third thing is something interesting or just a third. Is there any chance that they keep him? Like whenever, whenever the dust settles on March 3rd, is there any possibility that he's still in San Jose? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a non-zero chance just because, that's the nature yeah, have, of things. Yeah. Right. right. Well, okay. no, yeah, but but they have, you know, they they have his rights for next year. Um, they I, I think you can just look at the Debrinket trade from last draft and mm-hmm. say, well, if, if they don't get exactly what they want, just wait until Nashville and somebody um will come along. And I mean, for a specifics, like the now that the blues have kind of 
come to the center of this thing. I mean, the the most interesting thing that the Blues have is that is their first round pick, which right now would be like the three ninth. of them. Yeah, but the, the one that they're picked, the one that is like not at twenty five yes. or twenty eight or whatever, like that that is going to be there in Nashville too. So like, if mm-hmm. if they don't get exactly what they want now, they could definitely just keep talking to the Blues and work out something with them. You know, the day before the draft or the day of the draft. But I look, the thing is, <clears throat> um. Like he's the most coveted player, and there's a bunch of teams that want him, and the team is pretty motivated to do it. Like I, I would say there's a very likely chance that it's going to happen. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go through five potential teams that could acquire Timo Meyer ahead of the deadline with Corey Mastek. We'll be right back. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Okay, so let's go into some of the potential trade partners then. And and let's start with the Blues because they're a team that's kind of popped up in the last week or so since the O'Reilly deal. Like now all of a sudden the the Blues have now all of a sudden the Blues have three first round picks and they've got some young (laughs) players like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo who fit like a new window for them. And Timo Meyer conveniently fits in that window. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, blues make a ton of sense. Like, what do you think? Uh, and I know you had a story, Corey, with uh, JR from St. Louis. So what do you think about the fit or the potential fit uh, between the St. Louis Blues and the Sharks for Timo Meyer? I think they make a lot of sense just because, like, I think I think Sean and I were actually talking about this offline like, mm-hmm. the day, two days ago. Like, like what, like Doug Armstrong's idea of like, hey, let's just, turn these 31 year olds into first round picks and then turn the first round picks into 26 year olds. Like that's pretty smart. And like more, yeah. teams probably, well, more teams should probably try to do that instead of like completely yo-yoing from we're all in to we're all out. Like maybe, mm-hmm. just, maybe that's the the middle ground. But uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, they have like the blues have five very interesting things. They have three first round picks and they have two very good prospects and like, yeah, I, I saw you mentioned. I saw you mentioned Snuggerud specifically. Yeah, we know yeah, he kind of yeah. made. He like leveled up. It seemed like right. at, at WJC, like he took some steps forward in terms of uh, the public and you know maybe private perception of him. He yeah, seems like right. him. Him and Bulldog, right, were the guys that right. you mentioned in the in, in the story. Yeah, and I think, um, like, I, I think if you look at this draft, people seem to think it's pretty deep. So, like, on one side of things, the Sharks would probably like to have their own pick their own guy at whatever 23 or 25 or 26. Right. But if, if you're comparing like this year's like 20 to 30 or last year's 20 to 30, I think they would rather have their guys pick their own guy in 2023, except for him. I think he's like the one guy that is like kind of risen above that group to where it's like, okay, he's worth more than the 25th pick in the draft this year. 
the really interesting thing about the sharks to me is too is like there's and I think you kind of got into this yeah in, in the lot a couple minutes ago. There's no real uh, with the blues rather. There's no real urgency with them, right? If anything, there's more, it's more beneficial for them to like the the fit in the in the offer in St. Louis. It's tough to imagine that changing in three months, yeah. you know, versus today, right? If anything, it's like you can account for the fact like maybe St. Louis would say like all right we, we just want to make sure that we don't miss the playoffs and and win the lottery like just to just to make sure that doesn't happen you know we're 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 going to hold off here maybe and then and then but it's it's tough to imagine the offer for them materially changing you know in the next few months because they're not doing anything this this year and anyways right and i think i mean well two things one like the blues aren't going to trade that pick without protecting mm-hmm. protecting right. from the lottery like so it's yep. it's going to be top two or top five or whatever and then the second top thing one is, yeah tell yeah top one right? um and then the Can second thing is, um they also to make to make meyer fit for the next eight years they need they probably still need to do some tinkering um mm-hmm. they've got a couple of less than ideal contracts on the blue line maybe one of those gets shipped out um so it's, yeah, it's they have a, a couple a, a couple a few <laughs> several oh. this is the the other kind of late comer uh, as far as far as uh the Meyer Derby is concerned Vegas mentioned them earlier cleared up some cap for the summer uh that was a necessity for them to really seriously be in on it they did that with the uh, Shea Weber contract dump with the Coyotes they have draft capital first and third in 20 in 2023 they don't have a great prospect pipeline um what do you think of the fit there, and what do you think of uh, the the push that we've seen? It seems like over the last forty eight hours from them. Yeah, I mean, they're the one, they don't. If you look, if we're if we're lining all these teams up together, mm-hmm. they're the one that just doesn't have like the obvious like okay, here's what they would offer, right? Yep. But they're also the team that just seems to figure out a way to be involved in all these things. So um, I'm sure that there were probably people that didn't think that Mark Stone like they were going to get Mark Stone with what they with what they actually traded for him. So um, I would say that I wouldn't, I would be very surprised that they were like, you know, the favorite at this point, but um, you know, like it just seems like they're just, that's their MO is they just always hang around and maybe at the last minute, if the other teams don't make the big push that they were supposed to, then they just sort of swoop in and say, okay, yeah, we'll take them for this price. What's the equivalent of like, what would that look like? What's the word? Okay, we're going rogue for a second because this is something Sean wanted to bring up, actually, because we this is the time of year we do who says no's and fans are just going wild online with trade proposals. Like the Eric Brandstrom in a second, I think, was it for Mark Stone is it's like a fan proposal, right? Like That's what that would look like now if we saw that. Like, what's the funniest or best trade proposal you've seen online for for Timo Meyer, oh, I know um, you've been. Tra- I know. I know you've been tracking these. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, it looks bad now too because Brandstrom hasn't really panned out. But he was like a really, really, really good prospect. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be, mm-hmm. you know, that that wouldn't be like Luke Hughes in a second, but it'd be. I mean, it'd be pretty close. Well, anyway, um, the Devils ones are all pretty interesting. Are you saying Luke Hughes is a bust already? <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> Corey? About where, uh, where they uh, oh god no that, that I, I spent enough time dealing with the oh my use discourse uh, mm-hmm. my previous episode. that was this fun. is a uh, question juniors. specifically about the devils like we like, is, like uh, we, we can just say that this question's in there because yeah, of devils yeah. fans because I saw some myself that are just bananas like really yeah, really yeah. funny fun funny proposals Luke Hughes is going to be a very good hockey player I don't know if we'll skip out there uh, no yeah they're um, 
they have the most stuff. Like they have the yeah. most, they have the deepest collection of of goodies that they can offer. But that doesn't mean that there aren't fans out there that still want them to trade like uh, you know, Yegor Sharangovich, Kevin Ball, and a first round pick. And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's probably not Yeah, but it's a first round pick. But yeah, that's probably not gonna do it. But it, I mean, there's this whole the like you know, I don't know if it's the most interesting or the most frustrating. I guess it depends on the day. Part of this whole thing every year is like you get to this point and it's like, okay, okay, so Luke Hughes is untouchable. Okay, that makes sense. Samo, let's say, let's say Simon Nemich is untouchable. Then uh, Alexander Holtz is untouchable, and then and so you just keep going down the list. And like, okay, but you can prospect, make all those prospect hugging season, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can make all those guys untouchable, and you can also mm-hmm. not get. You can also be the runner up to in every trade. Um, so yeah, no, I think they're, um, you know, if we like they're the team that they're still the team that makes the most sense. Like he right. would fit absolutely perfectly there. He would. Um, be great for them and they they have the ability to sign him long term um they might need to do a little um you know they, they do some massaging of that contract mm-hmm. and just the rats contract but they can make it work um mm-hmm. and they would be you know a pretty scary team with him right. playing next to jack user and nico Heischer. and they like i said they're the one team like out of all these teams that we're talking about we're talking about like their very best prospects no question right on the table uh-huh. mm-hmm. that the devils can take their top two guys <laughs> off the table and still have that. Cause they're, cause they're that good and, and can yeah. still, and can still yeah. offer. Is there anything in particular that has stopped Timo Meyer from getting traded to the devils already? Like we, we've heard them connect <laughs> with them for, for weeks. Like what, it, if, is there anything and they do have the in most particular offer. that's, that's holding it up? Is it, is it the contract? Is it, is it that, is it the, the, you know, trying to work and get something done before before the deal is actually consummated well there was a report from a guy who uh, covers the devils who you know he said that mike greer has been asking for dawson mercer and whenever i the first story i wrote about timo meyer and the devils it kind of feels like two months ago but i think it was like three years ago i you know that was the thing that i wrote in there was that that should be the first player they should ask for ahead of alexander holtz and ahead mm-hmm. of um i i mean i think even ahead of Nemich uh, is Dawson mm-hmm. Mercer. He is a he's a 21 year old who is already a really good NHL player, and he's going to be a very very good NHL player and center capable too. Yeah, I believe he, he's, he's, he's he played a lot of, lot of it last year. I know that. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely like a future one A one B captain center. <laughs> um, you know, I honestly like I, I think I mentioned this to someone the other day. Like I, you know, he he kind of reminds me of of Logan Couture. Like they have like they kind of. I think they kind of play similarly and like if he has that type of career, I think that would be a pretty good comparable for him. So, but mm. you know, I'm sure the devils don't want to trade him. I mean, he is their, you know, however, however you want to line up their, their best young assets. Like, you know, it's, it's Jack Hughes one and then, you know, Luke or Nico, he's your two and Jasper Bratt, like all those guys, like um, they don't want to trade. I'm sure they don't want to trade Dawson Mercer, but mm-hmm. you know, if it comes down to it and there's four different teams, all with pretty good offers on the table, you know, mm-hmm. Mike is obviously going to try to squeeze what he can out of everyone. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's, you know, they're, he's just doing his job basically. Yeah, that's yeah. that's oh, what yeah. this boils down to is, is, <laughs> yeah. is the, is the Mike Greer's done it. Is, he's, he's not doing anything that he doesn't need to do. Right. No. And can we circle it's, back it's on, first, on that? Uh, oh, okay. sorry, Corey. Nope. Uh, I was going to say it's, it's his, you know, it's, it's his first trade deadline. It's first year on the job. He's kind of, you know, starting, you know, nobody wants to call it like a full rebuild process, but they're clearly, 
moving away from this core of players that they've had They're for the past four years. Yeah. <laughs> Resetting, reloading, re- yeah. many, many rewords. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, he, this is his, you know, we can talk about all the other people that they could trade, but this is his, this is his meal ticket to making this, mm-hmm. you know, getting this thing off on the right foot is to getting, you know, as much as much as he possibly two, can. Two yeah. really good things for, for Timo Meyer, like a really good prospect and a good first round pick. And yeah. Do you say no? Like if you're the devils and Mike Greer is saying, I don't want Nemich, I don't want Mukumadulin, I don't want anything, I want Dawson Mercer. If you're Tom Fitzgerald, do you say no? Sean <laughs> or Corey. Corey, you can answer uh, this too. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just listening here. I don't I don't oh. I, I don't know this. I'm not I'm not Tom Fitzgerald. <laughs> what do I look like here? I'm not bald. Um <laughs> I mean, I think in a normal situation. <laughs> that was out of pocket. He's bald. <laughs> Tom Fitzgerald's bald. Whatever. Nothing bald. wrong with it. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm also bald. That's, that's, I know. You've, yeah. you you came home. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, Tom, Tom and I, the last time I saw him, uh, he and I actually talked about uh, head shaving tips or uh, oh, man. or whatever. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. um, anyway. It's a more uh, complicated situation than, than, I was, than, than I was under the impression that it was. Uh, honestly, I did not do it for like almost a year because I had like done some research and I was like, man, this is going to be too much work. Like, I'm just going to keep letting it look like crap up there. And I'll work by- <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, but it was worth it. Anyway, uh, if I was Tom Fitzgerald, whew, um, that's a tough one. I like it. Let's put it this way. If, if Dawson Mercer was playing for Vegas or Carolina or Winnipeg or any of the other teams on this list, I would definitely say no. Like, because mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he is like a a inner circle core player on a normal roster. That said, like the Devils on that have, on that yeah, team, yeah, the, in, the that, in that in that pipeline, like right. maybe maybe less so. He's more more fungible I mean, than the other ones. Yeah, are. he's he's never going to be more than a, a a wing or the third center, and he's never going to be the captain in New Jersey. Um, you know, they're they have they have their they have. Hughes and Heshier and Brat, and if they're going to build mm-hmm. everything around those three guys, those guys are all not big. This and is so spicy. Like, I like this. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't That's realize a, that Dawson Mercer's f- factored is is significantly in here, as mm-hmm. you're telling me. I think that's a significant piece of this. Um, is the size. Yeah. of the devil's core. And I don't want to sound like that boomer who's just like, we need big hockey man in New Jersey here. But that is something that I have personally heard as well. Um, this particularly came up with uh, Johnny Gaudreau in the yeah. off season and people were floating like, do you really think the devils need to add another skilled, quick, small forward? Right. Like they need to get some size in there and Timo Meyer would obviously check that box. Yeah, He's not sure. like I mean, a traditional power forward, right? But he at least brings a bit more size yeah. to the table. No, I, I mean he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't fight much. He fought once this year, but like he does, <laughs> he does the. Um, no one, no one fights know, anymore. He, no, no. he he does do the uh, like you know he, he puts a defender on his back and uses his rear end and his butt. He, yeah, keeps him out of the way and uh, yeah, no, he does, he does all the yeah he does all the like <laughs> Sean. <laughs> the, um, cheeks or hip? Yeah. He does all the like modern power forward Jeez. stuff for sure. Yeah, great. So I, I also too, I was thinking about this. Um, the Sharks just played the Sabers like the last game or two games ago, and uh, like the Sabers are humongous. They're like they they're have, enormous. They have, they have <laughs> yeah. So many tall uh-huh. dudes, like so many big dudes. And so I was just immediately, I'm just, you know, because my brain wanders during games. I was like, man, what would a 
you know, an Eastern Conference final between the Devils and the Sabres look like, that would be pretty fascinating. Though, like, yeah, that would be that would be a reason to have him on their team for the next six to eight years. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to okay, Winnipeg. Sean and I were debating this a little bit. It sounds like they're a potential option, but they're probably a team like the Jets are really interesting in the sense that they could be a team that could be in flux in the next year or two. Pierre-Luc Dubois restricted free agent. Everyone keeps talking about is he going to force his way back home to Montreal? Uh, Mark Shifley only has one year left on his deal after this. So next year's his last year and team control. Same with Blake Wheeler. But like Timo Meyer could offset those losses, right? Like he could be part of a new core. But yeah. I think they would want a long-term contract before they make a move like that. I don't, what do you think, Corey? What, what's your sense or your take on Winnipeg as a potential option? Yeah. I know. I mean, on paper, they make a lot of sense. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'd, I had done a story like I don't know, maybe in November or December, way before all this really got kicked off where it was just like, okay, let's look at all 31 teams mm-hmm. and see where would he fit. And three of the teams that made a lot of sense were Winnipeg, Buffalo and Detroit. And none of those three mm-hmm. teams have really been super in this so far, mm-hmm. but they just, they have like Buffalo and Detroit have like the same, like they're on the way up and they have all the assets that they could trade. But Winnipeg makes a lot of sense because like you said, they, I mean, he could basically join the current group that they have and make mm-hmm. them quite good. And then, yeah, whether it's if Dubois leaves or if Wheeler leaves, like, they have a lot of mo- they have a lot of money coming off. Like whether it's right, this right. off season or next, there's 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 going to be the space necessary, you know, yeah. to do the deal. Yeah. So like he like he they were one of the few teams where it was like he fits right now, he fits in the future. Um, but they also haven't necessarily been a team that's been like super willing to just like push all the chips in and and make this kind of trade either. They've also got the Jets. Their their prospect pool is thirteenth in in Scott Wheeler's most recent rankings. But they have three kind of top tier guys, which is interesting, especially if that's, you know, like like we like we've said, and I know Pierre reported it and you said it too. You know, they want three elements, right? Yeah. And if you're and if that's the framework that we're working under in your Winnipeg, you have Chaz Lucius, you have Rutger McGrody, and you have Brad Lambert, who are three forwards who are all, you know, uh at the top of to, to varying degrees at the at the top of Scott's rankings there. So so there are, you know, high end players. There, uh, that would be appealing to the Sharks in a way that say like, do, does Vegas have that? Like, I don't probably n- not in Spades, not three of them. That's that's well, for sure. So the choice gets a little bit more interesting with with Winnipeg. Yeah, and you know, and from Winnipeg's end, like if they move one of those guys, well, I mean, one of those guys might be as good as Timo Meyer someday, but mm-hmm. Timo Meyer might be that guy for the next five years. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I think they would definitely. And there's, they've maybe, maybe they're just kind of lurking in the weeds, but there hasn't been a whole lot of chatter about mm-hmm. them so far. Interesting. Okay, let's go to the final one, which is the Carolina Hurricanes. We know that they have a philosophy of do not overpay for rentals. Uh, Timo Meyer is not a rental, and they have cap space to re-sign him. Like they could pallet the ten million dollar qualifying offer. Though we should mention, this is always something that happens particularly on social media when people start talking about qualifying offers that doesn't mean that Timo Meyer is going to sign a deal for 10 million dollars right we saw Matthew Kachuk did not like I mean Matthew's QL was nine 
But then you go and you sign a long-term extension and your cap hit's not always going to be exactly what your QO is. That's like only if he signs a one-year deal, like they sign his qualifying offer. It's one year, 10 million. So we're not saying that's going to be... He's what not going to sign here? for eight years and eighty million dollars. Like, no, not 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 by a matter of fact. Like, who, right. who knows? But, I guess, but if that is what they do, I think right. the Carolina Hurricanes could afford it in terms of their cap situation. Um, do we like Carolina, Corey? Well, they seem like that's a, pretty, a no. They seem like a they seem like a pretty good option at first, but. Um, yeah, they're you know they have they have one or two guys that are interesting. Um, well, they have a lot of guys who are interesting, but one or two guys that would sort of fit the, Move the, the, needle, at the level. Yeah. yeah, the level that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one guy, I mean, the one guy that was really interesting, like literally. <laughs> sorry, guys, I'm coughing again. Um, That's okay. The uh, the day that Max Pacioretty got hurt, or the day after that, or whatever, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they have that Russian defenseman that's not come over mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and um, that would sure would be an interesting thing, like. Just because, like, you know, maybe the Sharks don't need that guy to show up right away. And just the, the timelines for both things sort of fit. And it's like, yeah, that could be pretty interesting. But then uh, Pierre has already reported that Don Waddell is telling everyone that calls, like, no, you can't have him. So right. uh, after him, it's a not quite as not quite as deep or interesting mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, of a group. But uh, I have seen a couple people think, you know, like, well, if the Devils, if they're asking Dawson Mercer for the Devils, maybe they'll ask for Seth, Seth Jarvis. Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Um, which again would, would be a weird. Oof. I think it would be weird for Carolina as a contending team to trade. Like, cause that, uh, those are two good mm-hmm. examples. That's a good example of what I was talking about with with Mercer and the Devils. Like, um, the Devils have three other Seth Jarvis's on their team, whereas Carolina doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily. So that would be an interest, like uh, maybe a tougher deal for them to do. But uh, yeah, no, I mean they've they've certainly been in it for a while, and you know they're, they're I would say they're probably pretty motivated to do something. They've been trying to break through for a while here. Um, the, whenever it was kind of just Carolina and New Jersey, I thought that was a pretty interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, you know, like Mike Greer could go to one of the, one of those, those two GMs and be like, okay, if you don't want to trade me X, I'm going to trade him to the other guy and you're going to yep. play against him for the next nine years. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I've sort of landed with Carolina. And Carolina's caps, uh, cap situation is, you know, it, yes, stuff clears next season, but heading into 24, 25, they're going to have to worry about extensions for Sebastian Ajo and Brady Shea and Brett Pesci and yeah. Tuvo Teravainen, maybe, if, if that's if that's still in the cards. But maybe like, the they, cap will go up to $90 million oh. by then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> it's not just <laughs> fantasy, fantasy not. land bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it is funny. It's been funny because uh, everyone, we have it drilled into our heads, right, that Carolina Hurricanes, like a certain type of player signed to a certain type of contract with with a certain type of contract situation. And everyone's like, oh, this is uh, Timo Meyer. Great fit. And it's mm-hmm. not as, and it, it's not that it's a bad fit, but it's not as, it's also not as seamless, I think, as people maybe thought initially. So glad to hear mm-hmm. you confirm this. Yeah. I'm correct in my analysis. Man, the Canes are actually really, I'm going rogue now because I'm looking at mm-hmm. cat friendly. They don't have a goalie signed for next season. Uh, Jordan Stahl is an unrestricted who, free agent. Yeah, I mean, just, they, just, yeah, that's pick, fine. They'll be fine. But they have a ton of, they have $30 million in cap space, but they have a ton of work to do. Right. I think they are the one team on this whole list other than maybe Vegas that it's like, if they got him, they would be, that would be pretty scary. Like, I think the other teams yeah. in the East would be like, oh crap. Like, because mm-hmm. he, uh-huh. Um, they're they're kind of built. You know, the Devils are 
they might still be a year or two away because all these guys have never played in the playoffs before, but the Hurricanes mm-hmm. are like, they're battle-tested, they're, 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 they're ready, ready to they're, win. They're, re- they're ready to roll. Yep. And, and we've all been up. waiting to see what they're going to do to replace Max yeah. Pacioretty. Yeah. So I think what the Devils and the Canes have in their favor is that they're Eastern Conference teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I wonder how... Mike Greer feels about potentially sending Timo Meyer to Vegas and what Sharks fans would think about that too. It would be weird. That would be tough. Um, I think, uh, I think he would probably sort of talk around it by saying like, look, we're, you know, we're at the beginning of this process and it's going to be a while. And, but yeah, like there was, there's no way that they would want to see this guy play for that team specifically, you Mm -hmm. know, if they were competing with him right now, because yeah, that's, that's their, you know, it'd be like the, you know, the devil's trading Dawson Mercer to the Rangers or, or you know, it's, it's a, maybe not quite on that level, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Close enough. <laughs> so. Corey, thanks for the, thanks for the time, dude. We know you're, we know you're busy. You're at sharks practice. Guys are, <laughs> guys are, guys are going on the ice. So we'll let you go and leave you with this. Uh, it'll be over soon. Eight days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, the sharks are also uh, retiring Patrick Marlowe's number this weekend. So it's, uh, oh, it's yeah, you, said, you said that I didn't realize you got a, you got, you got a Patty Marlowe event that you got to go to yeah. in, in, in a little bit too. So there you go. Other things are happening. It's, it's not just Timo Meyer. <laughs> Thanks man. Thanks Corey. Right. Thanks for having me. All right. So that was almost 40 minutes of Timo Meyer talk. And I think it's worth it. He's the, he's the guy at the deadline, right? This is what we anticipated we were going to do a couple weeks ago whenever Corey was, Corey was at the airport. <laughs> yeah. His talk for a long time and then he misses his flight and he's stranded in Oops. Chicago. And by the way, to you and yours, certainly Corey, happy Patrick Marlowe Day, everybody. Yeah. It's officially Patrick Marlowe Day, February 23rd in the city of San Jose. And then there's going to be the jersey retirement and the ceremony, et cetera. A nice oh, little these byproduct. Insiders of that. don't want us to no, get through the no. show. Oh, God. What happened now? Nothing. Just caps are getting picks and Craig Smith in return. I believe. Oh, my God. I said, I, I said jokingly in the break, which are not even in our break, when we were organizing this last segment, I was like, it's not like they're going to trade Craig Smith for him or anything. I'm pretty Ugh. sure you said it's not like they're going to take somebody off the roster. No, I specifically said. I also said just wasn't listening. <laughs> Danielle, Danielle's is got he this, lying? He's got. She's got this on the master recording. Like Danielle, she can, I please add. Go back and say. You seriously go back and. I add, think he, like, yeah. I, I remember him mentioning Craig Smith. <laughs> As an example of the what the yeah, trade was so not going to be. Great, a peek behind great, great. the curtain. We had a little break where we said, mm-hmm. "All right, let's let's end the show. Let's make it a quick one." Oh, oh! I do wish that we had the full deal from the Bruins. And yeah, Sean goes, eh, it's fine. It's not like they're going to trade Craig Smith or anything. Uh, this is just proof that we should pull the plug and get out of here before another trade happens. We have yep. to parse it. We have to parse it live, I would say. Right? Yeah. Right? Well, my personal opinion is that because we missed last week and we missed and we're not going to have next week that this should be a two-hour show. <laughs> I for disagree. the fans. Time to for go. For the people. Time to go. Elliot Freeman on the phone, he says no. Get us out of here, Haley. I guess we'll just end the show on the cliffhanger <laughs> of the Hathaway Orlov deal. You won't know what it was by the time the show posts. Don't look. Don't look at the spoilers. Just wait for the show and then check on Twitter. How will they know not to look? <laughs>
without even the show, I don't know. Now I'm confused. I've I've spiraled you, into yeah, a web. You've, conf- you've confused yourself. That's oh fine. my God, I don't know what's happening. Sean, end the show. We're getting out of here before any news breaks. Happy Thursday, everybody. Bye.